So for me, I had to work through all of that. I myself also went to counseling like you, and I really encourage moms to do that. There's nothing wrong or weak about going to counseling. I think it's a sign of strength to be able to go in and have someone help process that grief because it is a lot. And a lot of times with pregnancy loss, there's a traumatic side to it as well in terms of PTSD symptoms of walking through that. So Anyway, I hope that kind of answers your question, but for me, it wasn't anything like, oh, we came home and we just started working on the nonprofit. It was this internal work of trusting God and relying on him and trusting in his sovereignty. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com. And this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, the companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who's trying to make a positive impact, not only with their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Ashley Opliger. She is the president and executive director of Bridget's Cradles. Bridget's Cradles is a nonprofit ministry dedicated to providing comfort, hope, and healing to families grieving the loss of a baby in heaven. It is a 501c3 nonprofit based in Wichita, and they to date have donated cradles to over 1,100 hospitals in all 50 states. They comfort over 26,000 bereaved families a year. She is also the host of the Cradled in Hope podcast and the leader of Hope Gatherings support groups. She's married to Matt and they have three children, Bridget in heaven and two sons. She is a fully devoted follower of Christ who desires to share the hope of Jesus in heaven with families grieving the loss of a baby. For the listeners who have been around for a while, you will know that this interview in particular is one that was just very deep and personal to me as I personally have also had the horrific experience of losing babies during pregnancy. My sons, Elijah and Malachi, I lost in the second trimester of pregnancy back in 2018. And so having Ashley on here to get to hear her story of her daughter, Bridget, and the impact that Bridget has had on her life and the lives of so many others, um, and to be able to share a little bit of my story of my sons, Elijah and Malachi, uh, was just really special and personal. I will just share a trigger warning that obviously we uh, do discuss uh, pregnancy loss, miscarriage, stillbirth. So if that is an area that is maybe tender or difficult for you, just know that that is something that we talk about, but we talk about it through the lens of hope and healing. And I really hope that you will be blessed by this conversation. But before we get to our conversation with Ashley, I just want to thank our partner of the show who is able to help make it happen. And that is Deme. And I am such a huge fan of this incredible ethical fashion brand. I personally love their crossover sandals. They are so comfortable, perfect for spring, summer, really any time of year where you want to wear some sandals. And I actually have the founder with me, Julie Billingham, and she is just incredible. She's going to share with you her favorite Demat product. Oh, Molly, thank you so much for having us. It is such an honor to partner with you and just have the ability to share our line with some of your followers, people that we know care about who made their products and how they were made. And it's funny that you love our sandals because of course it's our signature product. And you know, when I was in Haiti 11 years ago and we were working with the Haitian people to figure out a product that we could really make that would stand out, that would be something really wonderful 
for the global community, combining genuine leather with repurposed tires. I mean, that was it. And so my favorite um, sandal that we make is actually the hand-painted slide. And it's my favorite because we partnered with some artists on the, on the streets of Haiti, Emmanuel and his team, and they literally hand paint a gorgeous piece of leather and it's strapped onto a genuine leather um, upper and then a tire sole bottom. I mean, to me, it's just the most perfect footwear you could own. So that's my favorite products. They are beautiful and so incredible. And so if you are listening and want to snag your own pair of Dumas sandals, you can do so at D-E-U-X-M-A-I-N-S.com and use the promo code Molly and that will get you 15% off your order. So you'll be looking good this summer when you hit the beach in those cute sandals. <laughs> now onto our conversation with Ashley Opliger. Ashley I'm so honored to have you here. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. I have followed you for a little bit now. And um, as we were speaking briefly, and I know that we will um, get more into this, but you know, as we were speaking briefly before we got started, I personally wanted to have you on the show because this is a topic that is very personal to me and near and dear to my heart. And um, when I read your story and the work that you were doing and how you are impacting so many families after experiencing your own heartbreak and loss, um, I just, I knew that I wanted to learn more about you. So Ashley, we're going to dive right in and I'm going to have you give me the Ashley 101. So tell us who you are, what you do and how you got to where you are today. Okay. Well, I live in Wichita, Kansas, and I am a wife to Matt, and I'm a mom to three children. My daughter, Bridget, is in heaven, and we'll talk more about her story in just a little bit. I have two little boys, a four-year-old and an almost six-month-old, and so they're my joy and a huge part of my life. I run this ministry um, and then kind of it's, I guess my life right now, I would say it's like a mix of motherhood and ministry. Um, I will work up here at headquarters. You can see where I'm at now, but this is our headquarters. And then on the days that I'm at home with my boys, I just work um, during nap time and serve families during during those hours. But um, my story started back in 2014, shortly after my husband and I got married. Um, we found out that we were pregnant and so excited to welcome a little life into our family. We both knew that we wanted children and we were just very excited to grow our family. And um, at the time I was working as speech language pathologist. That's what my background is in. And I was at work one day, I was 13 weeks pregnant. So just coming out of that first trimester and I just started having really heavy bleeding and a coworker had to rush me to the emergency room. And my um, husband and my mom met us there at the hospital and the doctors put on the Doppler. They were able to find her heartbeat. So we knew she was still alive, but we weren't sure what was going on with the bleeding. They did an ultrasound and they found what's called a subchorionic hemorrhage, which is um, the area around the womb was bleeding. And about 50% of the, the chorion was bleeding, which was pretty serious. So they put me on bed rest and I went on medical leave from work. And I basically for 11 weeks was in my bed, just staying at home, getting out and about for doctor's appointments, but really going nowhere else. And during that time, I really just struggled in my faith of questioning how God could allow this to be happening and praying, obviously, for a miracle, but going to doctor's appointment after doctor's appointment and hearing more bad news that the placenta was being affected, that the 
nutrients that were supposed to be coming through the placenta and through the umbilical cord were not making it because of the hemorrhage. And so she was growth restricted. And each time we would go, she was measuring further and further behind. So our hearts were just broken. We were scared. We were anxious. We were worried and really just so many unknowns of what's going to happen, but still praying for the best possible outcome that she would be born full term and, and grow to be a strong little girl. However, at 23 weeks, I was hospitalized again. And that at that point is when the doctor said, we really don't think that your body's going to be able to stay pregnant much longer. The hemorrhage was causing an abruption behind the placenta. And they were preparing us that if she were born at that time, that she would probably be too small for them to intervene and, and be able to save her life if she was born alive. So we went home from that visit, just really heartbroken. And my mom, who's actually a postpartum nurse at that same hospital, she went home and started knitting a little blanket. She just wanted to have something um, for her granddaughter when she was born to have something small to hold her in. After she made this little blanket, she wondered how would she swaddle a tiny baby that's born in the second trimester in this tiny blanket. And that's when God gave her the idea to knit the sides up and turn it into a little cradle. I'm showing you here on the video screen, but for those of you who are listening, we do have uh, many pictures on our website and on our social media of the, of the cradles and what they look like and what um, Bridget looked like in her cradle. So she actually packed this little cradle in her hospital bag and she didn't tell me that she had made it. Um, she was still praying for a miracle. We were all praying for a miracle. But a week later on October 22nd, 2014, I went into labor. And by the time that I got to the hospital and she was born, she was already in the arms of Jesus and had already passed away. Um, and in that moment, you know, my husband and I were just truthfully, even though we knew that that could be an outcome, we're just in shock and obviously heartbreak, grief, and sadness. And the nurses swaddled her in one of those big traditional hospital blankets. And she was only 13 ounces. So she was so small, um, but so perfectly made and um, had all of her little features just so perfectly made, but so tiny. And so it was really hard to bond with her in the, in the blankets. So my mom put her in the cradle and really it just gave us so much peace. We could love on her. We could pick her up and kiss her. We could put her on our chest, pass her to our family members who were there to hold her and love on her. And we got 24 hours with her. We were able to spend that time just loving on her, singing to her, crying, talking to her. I stayed up all night, just holding her in that little cradle. And it really gave me a lot of peace and comfort knowing that she was snuggled up in love and that we could make those memories together. And really that was the start of Bridget's Cradles um, that day in the hospital. Oh man, thank you for telling uh, your story. And here I am already like <laughs> weeping and we have like, barely started talking. I know. Sorry. Um, no, 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 no. You know, I think uh, there's a couple pieces of this that I think are just so encouraging and inspiring um, to me, especially as somebody who has experienced um, you know, something similar to what you went through with um, the loss of my own uh, sons in the second trimester. Um, and I think for, you know, the fact that you guys, in some ways, you know, you were praying for a miracle, but you were preparing yourselves and God was preparing you for this outcome. And, you know, I think number one, it's a lesson in prayer and what prayer is and what prayer can look like and what prayer the purpose of prayer and all of that, because I think so often there is a misconception that we that we have to treat God like he's like a genie and we mm -hmm. just like 
pray for our three wishes and just hope that he answers yes. And that if he doesn't, then, oh, well, that means God doesn't love us when that is, you know, just unequivocally false. And sometimes our prayers uh, are answered in the way that we don't want them to be answered. And not saying, you know, we could get in a whole like theological discussion about like, why does bad things happen? And like, why does God quote unquote, let these things happen? And Oh, Um, yeah, we could go down that rabbit hole. And I have. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, big time. And but the reality is, is that sometimes uh, these things happen for a, you know, just I I don't want to say like for a reason, but there's a there's purpose out of the pain. And the way that God has ministered to you and that you in turn have ministered to other families and that you can be the hands and feet of Jesus to to other families and taking what was so hard for you and blessing others is just it is such a testament to the mercy and grace of God. And so I, I say all that to to ask, you know, what what did this look like in those early days? Because I know from my own personal experience. In the early days after my losses, like I just was in a fog forever. I remember for like the first four weeks after I lost my first son, Elijah, I just like I couldn't leave bed. I couldn't, I didn't want to do anything. I just like laid in bed and I watched like cheesy rom coms and I was so unmotivated to do anything. And it, it, you know, it wasn't really till I started going to therapy that I started to kind of get out of that fog. And so I ask like, what did those early days look like for you? And then at what point did you think, you know what, we could maybe do something with this and and impact other people? Yeah. So I was definitely in a very deep grief when I came home from the hospital. And even though God was working and preparing the way for the nonprofit and for the ministry to be born, I mean, he, I I feel like he birthed it when I conceived Bridget. He knew from the beginning of time because he's sovereign that her life would result in this ministry and everything like that. But certainly it was not, oh, I got home from the hospital and it was like, okay, let's do a nonprofit. Um, I fell to my knees. I was on the floor in her nursery that we had started preparing for her in the fetal position. I still had my wristband on from the hospital that smelled like her. And I was just so broken and so sad and crying out to the Lord, just why, why is this happening? Um, going through those questions, like you said. And I think for me now that I'm further out and I've had time to process it, the way I see it is that this world is broken because of sin and because of death that entered in, you know, at the garden um, of Eden. And because of that brokenness, bad things do happen, but God can always redeem those broken parts of our story and and grief and loss and death. Um, Even he's overcome death through the cross. And so the way I see it is what the enemy meant for evil or for, for bad things. Um, God, if you surrender that grief to him can use it for good. And so I'll never say that her death was good, but what has come from it, we've been able to see God redeem it and use it for his purposes and for his glory. So that's kind of the way I choose to look at it is that death itself is not good. Her death was not good, but God has brought good from it. And because I have an eternal perspective of heaven, I know that our separation with me and my daughter right now is, is temporary. I will get to see her again. And likewise with you, with Elijah and Malachi, you will see them again and you will spend eternity, thousands and thousands and thousands of years 
with them. And so when you have that perspective of knowing that this time on earth is such a short little blip in time and that we will be reunited, I think that really gives you perspective. And for me, what it did was as I was grieving so deeply in those early days, I was going back to the core of my faith of God, if you really are who you say you are, and you really were raised from the grave, we know that we're promised this life, eternal life. And so I think in that time of grief, when I was on the floor and I was sobbing and I was crying out to God, I just had this moment of surrender. And I said, okay, God, if I have this hope to see Bridget again, and she's with you, and even though I'm grieving, and even though this hurts, and it's going to hurt the rest of my life until I get to see her again, then I want to be fully surrendered to you and living my life in accordance to your will and helping other people through this, whatever that may look like. We didn't really know at that moment what it was going to look like. So from those early weeks, I was just grieving really raw, really deep, crying all the time. I took time off from work so that I could just be at home and process those feelings. And I always tell moms, like, it is so important to have that time to grieve because I think when we rush back into normal life and we try to stay busy or distracted or act like we're fine or things are normal, we're just stuffing that pain down and that grief. And it's going to come up because it's there and it's, it's a very real deep heart pain. So for me, I had to work through all of that. I myself also went to counseling like you, and I really encourage moms to do that. There's nothing wrong or weak about going to counseling. I think it's a sign of strength to be able to go in and have someone help process that grief because it is a lot. And a lot of times with pregnancy loss, there's a traumatic side to it as well in terms of PTSD symptoms of walking through that. So Anyway, I hope that kind of answers your question, but for me, it wasn't anything like, oh, we came home and we just started working on the nonprofit. It was this internal work of trusting God and relying on him and trusting in his sovereignty and being open to the idea of, okay, God, what is it that you have for me? How do you want me to respond to this? And I knew early on, I wanted to respond. I just didn't know how. And that was when he started laying the groundwork for what is now Bridget's Cradles to happen. Yeah. So. You know, I think one of the things that you you talked about that I think is such an important point and and honestly, I mean, I'm realize I'm speaking for you probably, but just is is the heart and soul of Bridget's Cradles and that is giving the gift to these families and the gift that you had to have that personal time with your baby that those are, you know, the only physical memories you have with that child. And and I realize that for people that have not walked through this before and haven't experienced this sort of loss, it can sometimes be hard to understand that and wrap their minds around it. And, you know, I think about what that would have maybe meant for us had we had the opportunity to have, you know, a little cradle like that to put, um, you know, our boys in. And I mean, I think uh, the one like other than their ashes, when we lost Malachi, a nurse without even asking. And to this day, like, I don't know who did it. I would love to figure that out and thank them. But I I, I don't know, because um, it was given to me in, in a recovery room, uh, was one of the nurses took Malachi's hand and footprints for us. And mm. I have that little card with his tiny little handprints and footprints. And when I was, when that was handed to me in the recovery room, I lost it. I lost it. And it was because it was, I could physically see 
in his tiny little hands, I could see his fingerprints. I could see his five fingers and five toes. And I just remember looking at that. And, you know, just to be real honest, I just wanted to be like, nobody can tell me that this isn't a child. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And nobody can tell me that this isn't that this isn't made in the image of God, if God can put that much detail into this tiny little baby. Um, Absolutely. How much more does he care, you know, for for us as we grow and flourish and, and just his his attention to detail is just incredible. And so I'd love for you to kind of just share a little bit more about, you know, what your mom did for you and and how when you had time after the fact to begin, you were in the healing process and we're never fully healed from these things, let's be honest. But when you're, you know, through you're getting through the healing process and you start to think like, I think that this could really benefit other families. What what was that process like for you? Yeah. So shortly after, because my mom was a postpartum nurse at that hospital, we heard feedback very quickly from the nurses that took care of us. When they saw the cradle that we were holding Bridget in, they were, wow, we've never, we've never seen anything like this for families to hold their babies. And they were very honest with us and said, you know, to be honest, we're using washcloths to put these babies in and we're using these big traditional blankets. And this is not an honoring way to hold these little babies. And I'm like you, I believe that humans are God's most precious creation and they deserve to have this honoring and sacred way to be held. And that's a value of our organization is that we believe in the sanctity of life and that we want to honor these little babies and their families in that way. And the hospital, you know, recognizing that, you know, as the nurses, like you said, that nurse that did that for you and the precious little footprints and handprints, the nurses, their hearts too, as they're watching their patients, the families grieving their babies, they want to do something and they want to offer something. And that's actually been one of the surprising, I guess it shouldn't be that surprising, but a surprising aspect of this ministry is we felt like when we, when we donate these to hospitals, we're now in over a thousand and ninety hospitals in all 50 States. When we donate them to the hospital, we thought that we would be benefiting and comforting the families and the babies, but actually a secondary purpose is to help and give a resource to the nurses because those nurses, they want to have something to offer to the family. They want to be there and comfort and love on that family. So the cradle is a way for them to have something to say, here's this, we're going to place your tiny precious baby in here and you can have these moments together as a family. And the, just the testimonials that we've gotten back over the years from the nurses have been so sweet and thoughtful and kind that they love having this resources as well, because their heart is breaking and grieving with this, with the families. And I, I think a lot of people don't realize that, that when they're taking care of a family who's experienced loss, they might step outside of the room and be crying in the hallway because it, it hurts. It's hard for them to care for the family. And I think that's why they really want to do all of those things like the handprints and the molds and the cradles and the wedding dress gowns for babies that are a little bit older and things like that. So we received that feedback early on that they really liked the cradle, that they found it very unique and special. and. After that, we actually had a news station here local to Wichita, Kansas, find out about us from the media department at that hospital. And they said, hey, can we just do a story about what you're doing? We would really love to know the Wichita community know about what you're doing so that maybe you could help the other hospital down the street and get some more volunteers. Because at the beginning, it was just my mom making them. So 
I was really nervous at that point. I had never been on TV or done anything of the like. Now I've done tons of that stuff that's really comfortable for me. But at the moment, I was really nervous and was like, should I do this? I don't know. I was just so scared um, to do it. But I was like, okay, God, if you're asking me to do it, I'm going to do it. I'll, I'll be on the news. So that story at the time, I thought, oh, yeah, we'll just get a couple more volunteers and help the other hospital and that'll be great. But of course, God had bigger plans and he actually orchestrated for that news story to air on TV stations all across the country. And then it got picked up by Buzz360 Yahoo News and it went viral. And all of these hospitals all across the country were emailing us. At the time, we just had an Outlook email. It's kind of funny. We had no PO box. We weren't a nonprofit. We had nothing set up. I was still working my speech pathology job. And all these hospitals were saying, we need this. We need this. We don't have anything for these little babies. And all the knitters and crocheters that heard about us on the news station, they were contacting us and saying, how can we help? We want to help what you're doing. So we hired an attorney. We got our 501c3 status set up. We got a PO box. Um, I resigned from my job um, just a couple months after that aired uh, so that I could do this full time. And we hit the ground running and started the nonprofit and just have been following God ever since and where he's led us. And like I told you, we now are in almost 1,100 hospitals, all 50 states. We host remembrance events. We now do support groups in person and online. We have a podcast called Cradled in Hope that we just launched specific to grieving with hope after pregnancy and infant loss. And yeah, just that's what we do. And that's where God's leading us. And our heart really is just to share the hope of heaven through faith in Jesus with families who are going through this loss. I want to go back uh, to what you were talking about with um, the secondary impact that this has had and how, you know, it's so funny how sometimes we go into things and we think like, okay, well, we're doing this just for the families and, and how you mentioned how this has, you know, impacted the nurses and you are so right. And I, it was something I didn't even really think about till you mentioned it. But I look back even just on my own experience, and I'm sure this was the same for you. Like, you know, my obviously my husband was there with me, but he was grieving too. So like his, he, it's not like, you know, he's trying to be like the strong man. But I think about like back in that time, like my midwife <laughs> who was with me for both losses and with me, um, in the hospital and those nurses, like they saved me, they saved me. And what an impact those, those nurses and my midwife had on me. And like, I remember my midwife sobbing with me and holding my, you know, like giving me a hug and, and what, what that meant for me. And I remember even after we lost Malachi, our, our second, you know, my midwife just said, like, I'm just so sorry that this had to happen again. Like, I'm so sorry. And I just wish there was something I could do. And I just like think about that. And it was such an honest moment for her. And, um, you know, I'm the daughter of a nurse. My mom was a nurse. And so I, I know that nurses, they wear their hearts on their sleeve. And, um, you know, doctors do as well. Midwives do. It's just, you know, they don't go into a medical profession <laughs> without some sort of, you know, compassion. They, they, they go into it because they care. And so I just really appreciated you sharing that and, and the stories and the impact that you're having and maybe the impact you don't even know that you've had on some of these nurses and how, yeah. you know, especially if some of them don't know the Lord and what 
what that might do for them in their own faith journey. And um, so I, I say all that to ask, you know, is there any, maybe one story or one person in particular that you were able to connect with throughout this that was really impacted by the work of Bridget's Cradles? We have so many stories, but I have one story is coming to mind that happened through COVID that just shows the love and care of a nurse. Um, and as you know, this organization started with the grandmother's love, but also with the nurse's love. You know, my mom um, being a nurse and a, a grandma, I think the, those two things combined to, to have her make this cradle and have that understanding. And certainly our organization is so grateful for all the nurses because they're kind of the hands and feet of the organization. Once we ship them to the hospital, it's there that with and, you know, at the hospital, the nurses are the ones that are in charge of, of preparing and having those available to the families and providing that tangible act of love that we can't give once they go out our door. And we're always so grateful for nurses and we always will be indebted to them because they really are, like I said, the hands and feet of the cradles once they leave our, our headquarters. And then they're there being present with the families and loving on them in that moment. But I will say, so like I had mentioned, we're in all these hospitals across the country, but there's a lot of hospitals that we're not in yet. And we think we're about in a third of all hospitals that have labor and delivery units, which when I tell people that they're like, wow, that's amazing that you're in that many hospitals. But the way I see it is that, oh, there's two thirds of the hospitals that we're not in yet. And I really, and my heart breaks that there are families like you that have gone through it and didn't have a way to hold their baby. And we're working every week, every day, um, trying to reach more families and more hospitals with our cradles. But anyway, there was a situation that happened. We're based in Wichita, Kansas, and we're actually in like over 50 hospitals in the state of Texas. I think we have the most in the state of Texas, but there was a hospital in the state of Texas that we were not in yet. But I had a friend that lived in that town who knew someone that had just lost a baby. And she reached out to me and she said, my friend from church just lost a baby. I checked your website. The hospital in our town is not on your list. They, they don't have cradles. Is there anything that we can do? And so I looked up um, in our database to see where like the next nearest hospital was. And so I'm, I want to say, let me get this right. I think it was Amarillo, Texas that we were not in yet, yeah. but we had cradles down in Lubbock. And I think it was about a two hour drive maybe longer, but my friend was willing to drive from Amarillo down to Lubbock mm. to get a cradle from this hospital that was willing to share their cradles with another hospital. But the neat thing about this, going back to the nurses was this is all in the middle of COVID, you know, when, when people couldn't just like go up to a labor and delivery unit floor, like my friend can yeah. just enter the hospital and go up there. So there was a nurse at the Lubbock hospital and there was a nurse at the Amarillo hospital. And I was on the phone with both of them. And these two amazing nurses were coordinating all of this with my friend, like meeting them down at a certain entrance, making like on the phone with me, picking out exactly the right size of cradle for this family, going down, meeting my friend. And likewise at the Amarillo hospital, coordinating it on that end. And then the amazing thing about it is now that the Amarillo hospital had seen the cradle, they reached out and got their own donation of cradles after this. Mm. But it was this beautiful picture of two hospitals in Texas working together, these nurses being willing to share their resources, being willing to take phone calls, you know, outside of their shift to coordinate all of this. And I just loved it because I felt like 
they really were going out of their way for this one family that neither of them knew, but they knew that they were grieving and would want this little precious cradle. And then for my friend to make the trip and drive, you know, down and back to make it happen. It was a really beautiful story. And I just felt like God was so at work in in selecting these people to be willing to find this one cradle for this one family. Mm. But there are countless stories of nurses going above and beyond um, because I think just like what you said, they go into the profession because they have compassion for people and helping and serving. And I think that's just the heart of a nurse. Man. Oh, wow. Thank you for sharing that story. That's so powerful and just such a testament to uh, God and the way that he has just moved through you and this organization and the lives of these families and these, you know, these healthcare providers. And yeah, it's incredible. So you have grown, obviously, so much since, uh, you know, I guess, you started really more in 2015, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So since 2015, you know, you've grown so much to now you are, like you said, you're in a third of all hospitals, which is incredible in all 50 states. You know, logistically, how does it work these days? Because I know your mom is not making all of these cradles herself. So, um, you know, how, if, especially for people who are interested in supporting or helping or volunteering or donating? What are the different ways that people have gotten involved, can get involved, all those sort of things? Yes. Our knitting and crocheting team lives all across the country. So if you knit or crochet and you want to be involved with this organization, you can volunteer from the comfort of your own home, no matter where you live in the country. And all you do is you go onto our website, bridgetscradles.com, and there is a tab at the top that says volunteer. You can click on that. And then under there, it says knitting and crocheting. There's an application that you fill out, and then we will send you the patterns. We are very specific on the dimensions, the colors, the types of yarn that we use. Everything is very um, tailored to being sensitive to family who's grieving the loss of their baby. We use very neutral pastel light colors versus like a bright orange or something that would be kind of offensive to someone who's grieving. Um, Also, we are very mindful about photography. Um, remembrance photography. When families have photos taken of their babies, we want the cradles to complement the baby's skin and all of that, and also the type of yarn. So we give all of those details to the volunteers and then they make them uh, from their home and then they ship them to us, to our headquarters here in Kansas. And then we have a team of sewing volunteers here. So if you're local to Wichita, Kansas, and you want to sew, you can be part of our team. But then we sew like lace and ribbon and charms onto the cradles. Every cradle has a cross at the foot. And then we tag it with our tag. And that has references our website and a little prayer and a Bible verse for the family to read. That way, when they leave the hospital, they can follow up with our resources online. We have blogs, stories, memorial ideas, the podcast. We actually have Hope Online, which is a support group over Zoom that any mom can come to. So that all is referenced on our tag. And then the hospitals make the orders and then we package up in a box, however many they would need and send them free of charge to the hospital. Mm. So you can volunteer no matter where you live. If you're knitting and crocheting volunteer, if you like to sew, that's more of a local thing. But we also have remote administrative positions. So if you're listening and you have some sort of skill set and you you really want to be involved, please do reach out over email or website so that we can get connected because 
there are so many things. We just had someone who has graphic design skills reach out to us. We had someone who helps with transcription of our podcasts. And so you just never know how God could use you and use your gifts to serve in this ministry. And we want our ministry to be a space for people who are grieving to find find a place where they can serve and comfort others. Um, So feel free to reach out on our website and we would love to get you involved. I'm going to take a quick break from my chat with Ashley to thank another partner of the show, and that is Mama Suds. Are you ready to ditch bleach forever, but you cannot find a bleach alternative that actually works? Well, you have got to try the Extra Strength Oxygen Powder by Mama Suds. You know, I'm a huge fan of Mama Suds. I use all of her products from her Castile soap, laundry soap, all-purpose cleaner, Her stuff is incredible. Her extra strength oxygen powder launched on July 15th. I've been using it for over a month now and it's incredible. I use it kind of as a laundry booster in my case because as you know, here at the farm, our clothes get dirty, okay? We are outside in the chicken coop with the ducks or the turkeys or all of the various and sundry you know, animals around here and we've, I'm working in the garden or I'm mowing the lawn and our stuff just gets dirty. And my kids, they are outside, they're playing in the creek and it's summertime in North Carolina. Guess what? We sweat. So our clothes are stinky and dirty and the extra strength oxygen powder by Mama Suds is incredible. I use it every single load and our stuff comes out clean and smelling amazing. Plus, because Michelle Smith, the head mama at Mama Suds is a genius, there's also multiple uses for the product. So it's not only a laundry booster and stain remover, but it is a scouring agent. So you can use it as a scouring agent on any non-porous surface. Amazing. So you can go to mamasuds.com and use the discount code Molly to get an extra 15% off your order. Mamasuds.com. Use that coupon code Molly. Get you some, you know, toilet bowl cleaners while you're at it. Get that extra 15% off and you will thank me. Just trust me. Now back to my chat with Ashley. Now I'm just curious because this is more of a logistical question. This is just for my own curiosity. As you realize that this is something that you really wanted to to grow and get into these hospitals, how did you begin to even approach this? Like, did you just contact the labor and delivery units and be like, hi, I make these cradles for people who have lost babies. And can we send you some and trust that you will give them to these family? Like, I just, how did that work? So there's been a lot of different approaches we've taken over the years. We actually have done that phone calls. Phone calls are actually very effective because we are able to speak directly to the person that would be in charge, but it is difficult finding who that person is because it needs to be someone that's involved with the bereavement side of labor and delivery. And there's so many shifts, you know, of nurses. And so we want it to be someone who has kind of a leadership role. That way they can let everybody on their team and on the different shifts know about it. Because if just one nurse knows about it, then the cradles won't be able to be used by everybody. So usually we try to partner with like nurse managers or directors or a bereavement coordinator, that kind of role. We've also done several large nursing conferences. So there's a conference called AWAN. We didn't go last year because of COVID, but um, we've gone in the past and had a booth and nurses from all over the country got to see the cradles in person and hold them and fill out an application to receive a donation right there at the conference. Mm. So that's been a really effective way because we would go to a conference and 90 hospitals would sign up all at once. Yeah. We also do mailings where we mail um, a brochure of information. 
um, about the cradles to hospitals. And those are effective, but not quite as effective as being there in person, whether it be a conference or we've one time we took a trip down to Dallas, Fort Worth. And in five days, we visited 25 hospitals, all 25 hospitals accepted a donation of our cradles. Um, So that was a whirlwind of a trip, but it's so nice to meet the nurses in person and make that relationship with them and let them see the cradles in person. Because even over a phone call, we explain it um, and we send them an email, you know, with pictures and things like that. But until you've actually held them and you've seen them in person, it's a little bit different of an experience. But we also now just get a lot of hospitals by word of mouth from you know, nurses telling another nurse friend at another hospital in her city. People find us on Pinterest. People find us on Instagram, on Google search. Um, And I I feel like as we're growing, there's more and more of that kind of just organic word of mouth that people learn about us. But we definitely do take, you know, our own efforts as well to try to grow and let more hospitals know what we're doing. Yeah. And I'm curious just you know, because sometimes it can be easy to like, look at all the the great things. Have there been challenges along the way? Like, have you had hospitals say like, no, nah, we're not interested. I just like want to be like, who would say no? But I mean, I'm also at the cure at the same time curious, like, have you have you received any pushback from anybody from it? We in the six years that we've been operating, we've only had just a few, I would say probably less than a handful say no. And it was more so to do with our Christian values um, Mm. because of the cross being on every cradle. Um, And we're very, this is on our website. So this is just a policy that we have, but we tell hospitals that have concerns about, you know, the cross being on there or the Bible verse being on there. Um, that we are a Christian organization and they cannot order our cradles without the crosses. Like we're not going to take them off and send them. This is a foundation of our faith and we're, we're not going to make cradles different ways. But what our policy, what we do tell them is that the cradle is a free gift to the family. And so if that family chooses to take the cross off, if they would like it removed, it is their cradle. It is theirs to do what they would like. And so we're completely fine with that, with them taking the cross off. Likewise, if the nurse needs to do that for the family, because they have a different faith background or something like that, that's okay. Um, it's a free gift to them. But the way we say it is these cradles, even though we have a Christian background, they are for everybody. And we don't discriminate on any, any sort of background and even faith background. We want these to go to everybody, but because it is a free gift, just like the gift of salvation through Jesus is a free gift as well. And people can choose it or, you know, reject it. They can take that cross off and 99% of hospitals who have an issue with the cross on it, they're completely fine with that policy. They're like, okay, sure. Send them. And if we have a family that doesn't want it, we'll take it off. But there's been a few that because of maybe their HR or higher up policies, they just cannot partner with a Christian organization. Then I think we've had maybe just like two or three that have said no. Hmm. But in the grand scheme of things, in terms of all the hospitals in the country and how many hospitals we partner with that are not a faith based, you know, health system, we do partner with a lot of Christian and Catholic health systems. There's a lot of university health systems that we partner with that are fine with the cradles. They just have, they know that policy is there and we feel good about it. We know that we're still being true to our faith and our beliefs, but we're still being respectful to other people. So, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And I think that's helpful to know too, for some people is just to know that sometimes you're going to get, you're going to receive pushback, or you might even with something like this, that might just seem like a no brainer, but 
just because of the nature of how things are, sometimes, you, you know, you get pushed back on something that might seem like a no brainer and how you just are so committed to your mission and vision. And I think that's another really important point is, and I think that this, this can speak to really anybody, whether you run a nonprofit or a, you're a business owner or entrepreneur, or just as you live your life, when you are on fire for your mission and your vision that has been placed on your heart, and especially for believers, like when God puts a, a calling or a mission or a vision, you don't stray from it. You don't stray from it and you commit to it. And sometimes it's going to be hard. And sometimes you're going to want to uh, maybe question, should I, you know, should I bend this way to to appease somebody else? Or should I, you know, maybe veer a little off of my mission to maybe make somebody a little bit more comfortable. And you say, no, this is this is what I've, I believe, and this is the calling that's been placed on my life and I'm committed to this. And so that's a really, I think it's just a really powerful uh, lesson for so many of us and can be applied in so many different ways. And so I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Our board of directors, when we were faced with that situation about hospitals requesting the cradles to be, you know, the cross to be removed, we sat down and we talked about it and we said, you know, if we start removing that and we start tailing to secular society and all of that, and we decide to take God out of the organization, then we no longer have an organization because we started this ministry for God because of God to serve God. If we take him out, then there's, we won't exist anymore. Like the day that he's not part of this is the day that I'm like, never mind, I don't want to do this because this is all about God and for God. And we're not going to cave to societal pressure. And to be honest, I feel like if we were to do that and we were to start um, tiptoeing around our faith and all of that, I think, you know, God has provided for this organization. He's the one that has made it what it is today. And I feel like that blessing has been upon us because we've been following him and serving him. And I feel like if we were to start doing that, then it just, we'd be going down a direction that wouldn't be blessed by him, governed by him and leading, you know, being led by him. And so, yes, I am with you a hundred percent. We are here to serve him and serve families in honor of him. So I think that's, that's a very good point that you made and that's where we stand on it. And it certainly is getting harder in today's culture right now to be a Christian, to be not just a Christian nonprofit leader, but just to be a Christian in general and be stand on your convictions and your beliefs. But we really do believe that God will be honored if we stay the course and stay on the mission and vision that he's given us. And he's done that so far. That doesn't mean that we've not had persecution. There's definitely been spiritual attacks and persecution, but I think when you have God on your side, you just keep prevailing and going forward and he's going to take care of you. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And For the listeners, I'm going to have Ashley's information and all the information on how you can support Bridget's Cradles in the show notes. Um, If you are listening and you're a knitter, crocheter, you can get involved that way. Or if you just want to support them financially, or maybe you have a connection to a hospital in your area that maybe um, isn't already a recipient of Bridget's Cradles, um, I can just say unequivocally that if uh, I'd had the opportunity to have something like this um, when we lost Elijah and Malachi, it would have meant uh, the world. And so um, I just know... 
uh, firsthand that the impact that this can have on a family. Um, and so, Ashley, I just thank you so much for your work. But before we go, we're going to transition just a little bit uh, to ask some just kind of fun, lighthearted, get to know you questions here at the end. So, okay. um, Ashley, are you ready for the get to know you round? I think I'm ready. All right. Question <laughs> number one is what is your guilty pleasure? Ooh, probably chocolate. Mm, any I don't particular know if that kind, counts, or just like, like, oh, totally, dark chocolate. Yeah, do I don't. Particular... Chocolate's not my thing. I'm like a dark chocolate kind of girl. Do you like just like plain? Oh yeah, something plain brownies. I mean, oh, dark chocolate cho- cookies. I know. I I really have a sweet tooth. Dark chocolate brownies all the way. Yes. Um, <laughs> I obviously will make like I'll make brownies from scratch sometimes, but I'm not gonna lie to you guys. The Ghirardelli yes. dark chocolate brownie mix from the store is bomb like yes. it is so that's what i'm talking about that's exactly right yes i can like finish off like i'll make those and then i share with my family but i feel like i'm just like oh a little bit here a little bit here yeah. i know it's bad and like fresh out of the oven with like some vanilla ice cream on top glory to yes. god glory mm-hmm. to god the middle pieces oh, that's me thank you <laughs> ashley you are my people okay yes don't give me the crusty edges. I mean, I'll eat no, them. No, I know. I will eat them. But yes, I, I'm going to get the middle one first. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All the way. And I wanted a little gooey. Just yes. a little gooey. A little bit undercooked. A little bit. You yeah. got it. Just a little bit. We can have a brownie date sometime. Next I time I'm in North Carolina. I'm here for this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. Are you reading any books right now? I'm an avid reader. So I always like to connect with people to know if they're reading any particular books that they have, uh, they want to recommend. Yeah, I'm actually reading a a book called Mama Bear Apologetics right now. It's kind of going in a different direction from our conversation, but um, it's about defending your faith and teaching your kids to defend their faith in today's culture. So I, like I told you, I have two little boys and I feel like very convicted recently to be learning how I can raise them up to know the Lord, but also to defend their faith in a society that's becoming very anti-God. So that's what I'm reading right now. Mm, Man, I am. I know, deep. Adding to my (laughs) list right now. Um, Okay. What would you do differently if you knew that no one was judging you? Oh, man. I don't know. Maybe this summer, I feel like I'm now kind of in the season of life (laughs) wearing like mom swimsuits. And so I'm not like in my bikini days anymore. So maybe I would wear a bikini. I don't know. That's just a random thought. But yeah, that's kind of maybe something that I would do differently this summer. (laughs) I I feel this. I feel this. Although (laughs) I I have like cute mom suits now. So I'm just kind of like, ah, whatever. I had my bikini days. I don't need those bikini days anymore. And trust me. Nobody else does wants to see that's that what, either. That's kind of what I'm saying with the no one would judge you kind of thing, except for I would be judging myself. So that'd be the problem. <laughs> all good. You are all good. Um, okay. Who would you most like to sit next to on a 16 hour flight? Ooh, 16 hour flight. I've been on a 16 hour flight and I sat next to somebody I didn't like. So, um, so... <laughs> That's why I ask. And I, I I wouldn't say that. I didn't know this person prior to to, to flying. Um, I just, this is who I was sitting next to on a 16-hour flight. And let's just say um, they had a few beverages, just a few along the entire 16-hour flight. And so it was, it was a whole situation that I found myself in. And so it prompted me to ask this question because I was like, who would, who would I like 
want to sit next to for 16 yeah. hours. So I'm going to go with my my best friend, Amanda, who's actually in this organization. She, her story is amazing. She's a blessing. She actually left her full-time job um, back in 2016, working for a nonprofit in California. And she left to do ministry full-time as a volunteer. And she was a huge instrumental part in starting the organization and helping us grow and everything like that. But we are really good friends. And I feel like we would be good international. We've talked about going to other countries together sometime, maybe after COVID and everything is over. But I think we would have a grand old time just talking and hanging out on the flight. I like that. That would be, that would be fun. Yeah. Like have a girl, a girl, a gal's. Trip. Yeah. A gal's it would be trip. nice. Something like that. Um, okay. And then this is my last question that I ask all my guests. And that is Ashley, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? So I think it means being very intentional about your mission and your vision. And for us being in a Christian nonprofit space is following after God and letting him lead. A lot of times I think it's easy for us to think, oh, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to do it. And this is the way we get from point A to point B. But when you don't leave room for God and you don't understand like, okay, but he could throw a loop in here or a connection here or whatever, and the dominoes will fall this way. And so as I'm learning to be a CEO of an organization, I guess I'm or executive director more so, I feel just following after God and having an intentional relationship with him to lead the organization and let it go where he wants it to go. Not Mm. necessarily where exactly I want it to go. Mm. Um, That is how you lead on purpose. Mm, So good. So good. So good. Ashley, I am so grateful um, for you being here and for telling your story. And just, uh, I want you to know how, how much it personally impacted me. And I know that it is going to impact so many others. Um, So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're so welcome. Friend, I would love to know what you loved about this episode or something that you learned. Find me on social media. I'm at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to use that hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast when you're sharing the show with a friend. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to check out the archives for past shows featuring so many incredible entrepreneurs, business owners, community leaders who are changing the world. If you are a regular listener of the show, Thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for tuning in week in and week out. Be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, Overcast, Stitcher, basically wherever you get your podcasts. Click that subscribe or follow button. To click that button means you will never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to just leave a review? Would you take a moment to maybe share one of your favorite episodes with a friend? Leaving a review, sharing the show with a friend. It is totally free for you. And it is the biggest help for me in the entire world. You have no idea how much I appreciate it. It just also helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is impacting you. As always, this show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose.